Howdy Meeps, welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show. Hello everybody, welcome. It is the Meeple Syrup Show. It is Wednesday night, 9 o'clock p.m. on a glorious Wednesday in April 2019. And what's up everyone? How are you doing? Hopefully everyone else out there is good too. Yeah, doing well. That's good. Tonight on the show, we have the one, the only Bebo with us tonight, talking about all sorts of stuff uh, related to board game media. Uh, we have Erica and Jesse and myself, Sen, here. If you have any questions for anybody on the show, whether it's the host or, of course, our very special guest, uh, Bebo, let us know down there in the chat, and we will get to your questions. Hello to Andrew Wolf, who's watching us from uh, sunny California, and he just got finished jury duty, I think. So that's fun. Let's make a game about jury duty. <laughs> no. No? And dodging it. Dodging jury duty. That no. might be a better game. No? It's still not a good game? All right. Hi, Jesse Fernandez. So let's get started. And today we're talking about board game media. Um, Jesse, what was the first piece of board game media that you ever saw? What do you think? Wow. Talk about digging into the ancient past. I know. Um, You're not that old. No, I know. But, it, you know, it's been about six years since. It's ten years even. Um, it, probably the first piece of board game media I intentionally consumed was um, the original Dragon Strike, which is now Man vs. Meeple. Uh, oh, yeah. High-quality component reveal videos. Good old Jeremy D. Salinas. On the yeah. camera, I always wondered about those videos. I mean, psychologically, I understand the the draw of unboxing, but I was never into the unboxing videos. I thought it was the strangest phenomenon ever. What about you, Eric? People get something yeah. out of it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Like, maybe it's the slightly voyeuristic thing in its own way. I would say, like, especially if you don't own it, like, what's in the box? Right. What am I getting for my? 80 or 100 bucks right it really right? like i uh, unboxing a 20 dollar game is probably not what people are coming to see no but maybe like that mansions of madness box with all the miniatures and stuff or like kingdom death monster oh yeah, yeah that's pretty impressive actually. yeah my co-parents spent like 1800 dollars on that whole thing wow yeah wow 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 um uh Brittany, what was the first piece of board game media that you saw I am not entirely certain, but I will say I, I did watch a lot of Dice Tower when I first started uh, working in the industry, mm -hmm. um, primarily because my employer was like, hey, you need to know everything there is to know about board games. Go consume all of the Dice Tower's content. And so I did for like several months, many hours a day. <laughs> so I guess it was like a, a job. It was my job. It was literally my job. And people did not believe me when I said I watched all of the Dice Tower. They were like, no, there's no way. And at the time, I was like, no, but really, I swear. Did you, mm -hmm. did you learn anything interesting from consuming that much Dice Tower in a short time span? I mean, I, I learned that maybe that content is not made for me after all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's maybe a good lesson, right? Because we, we should learn our favorite reviewers because we don't and that is okay yeah and i mean it was 2013 so obviously their content has changed and evolved since but i mean it was 2013 yes right, right there right. wasn't a lot that's of content true. available at all that's true uh erica what about you what was the very first piece of board game or game related content that you read or consumed or saw that's a hard one i i think i think to just i kind of jumped into like I, I went purely off of like recommendations but like anything it was like just you brought it over i played it or recommended it i but i think podcasts were oh, sort of yeah. were really started like consuming media and like listening to people talk about like design talking about themselves it's like oh this is interesting like i think it was i connected more on that level stories so that was a that was a big one for me and a big one getting me into like the industry to um Tony Miller and the guys over at uh, Breaking Into Board Games. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's another one. Because I definitely on. is one of the ones that I... Yeah, it was like a few years back now, but it was like actually point people of actually kind of like getting into the sort of like, what is this industry about? 
And so it was funny because, you know, my first point person was a media person. And then talks from, uh, well, at the time it was Chris Happen, right? I watched a lot of his stuff back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's, you guys are going to think I'm super old, but my first uh, board game media was probably Games Magazine and Dungeons and, oh, sorry, Dragon Magazine. Uh, way oh, yeah, I'll be when. fair. Yeah. And, like, the, the Nintendo 70s. magazines and things like that. I will. Yeah. Those, but oh, I mean, yeah. I didn't subscribe because, I mean, I. Oh, didn't no, I subscribed. Did you too? I had a paper route. I had a paper route. That's exactly what I did. Subscription. Subscription to Dragon Magazine. Yeah. Uh, It's funny because in Dragon Magazine, what they used to have is all these, like, um, things that you'd cut. Like, you'd actually craft the game. I think that's where I get my love of paper crafting is you'd get, like, Tom Jolly, or, sorry, Tom Wham games uh, inside, like, in the centerfold of um, Dragon Magazine to cut and make it these, these playable games. It was fun. Oh, Daniel Zayas has a question for you, Jess. He asks, yeah, uh, <laughs> "Why are you drinking?" I noticed that too. Powerful question, am, guys. Powerful questions. It's yeah. a powerful question. I'm drinking a cheap red blend that I bought at Trader Joe's. So, <laughs> seriously, well, that, that's what it is. No, I'm not I kidding. No, I can't even smell that wine anymore because when I was like 22 or something, I just had one too many glasses and never again. <laughs> I've got that relationship with rum, so. It's so funny how people have that relationship with alcohol. My, my, I talk about lemon gin a lot, and that wasn't my thing. Uh, I really didn't get drunk at all. Uh, but all my, all my classmates, it was like, yeah, lemon gin, I'm never touching it again. So, anyway. Um, Daniel Zayas said, I'm probably... Yeah, it's whatever you drink camp. so much. Yeah. yeah, that you got sick. Uh, Daniel Zayas is a rattle camp. first time. Through Kickstarter. Um, so that might be a thing too. It's like, how did you enter into the board game industry? And does that dictate what media um, you really saw as your your first your first bite in? But let's get on to onto what you're doing, Brittany. Um, right now, you've kind of relaunched. Was it last year, or early this year? I can't remember uh, when you sort of redid the thing and you started doing this. www.beboldgames.com yeah. Can you tell us what that's, that's all about? Yeah, so Beeble's Games was, um, you know, something when I just, when I left my old job, I wanted to do something new, and I wanted to, you know, be a little bit more inclusive and hire more people of color, queer people, uh, give those people a platform and some visibility, and I, in order to do that, I had to build my own platform first, and that meant, you know, creating a new Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page, website, everything from the ground up starting over and so I started by doing five minute how to play videos for various board game publishers and obviously I'm a photographer and now I'm hiring uh, more people to be doing some writing for my blog here and there Um, I'm not like super made of money but I pay people uh, apparently more than PC gamer does (laughs) Uh, that's what I was told there you go I think that's a good thing yeah it's Um, interesting on that stat um Yesterday, uh, the stats came out for how much money role-playing games are making. So there's like a like a something ridiculous, like a eighty percent increase. I don't know the exact stat, but a big jump from last year to this year in terms of income in the role-playing scene. And people are saying, "Well, I guess Onyx Path can start paying us more than three cents a word." Yeah, because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what people are getting paid. It's ridiculous. Yeah, when it's the industry not a is lot. doing okay. So I'm, I'm building that platform and then, um, of course, like rebuilding my YouTube following and Instagram, all those things. And hopefully, um, you know, creating content that helps people. That's a big focus of mine is, you know, I, a lot of times when I get the same question in one week, like I had three or four people ask me in one week, um, they asked me the same thing. They said, how can I create an inclusive gaming space? And uh, the first person I was like, okay, I'll, I'll write you up like a couple pages about uh, ground rules and how to create a safer space for marginalized folks. And you can like pay me for that. And then of course, when the other people came and asked, I was like, all right, all right, just give me a, give me a week or two and I'll actually go over this thing that I wrote up for somebody else and I'll publish an article that way it's just available for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so part of that's kind of like funded by my Patreon 
And I use that money also to pay other marginalized folks. And I have a bunch of articles on a backlog, but I'm waiting on photos that I need to take for them. And I'm really behind and I'm sorry. No, you know what? I don't think you have to apologize. You're doing good work. See, even Tom Razzo said, keep doing what you're doing. You're a rock star. Thanks, Tom Razzo. (laughs) Yeah, and that's great. Um, How hard was it to rebuild your your following, your web identity after leaving the other company and starting up Beeble Games? I mean, I'm not even like halfway to what I was uh, when I was when I was at the other company. But, you know, I had five years to build that and I've only had one year to build this. So I feel like I'm not I'm not doing bad. Uh, right. Because like, if you do the math, if you do the math, you'll be right. at the level in, in another year and then you'll have another three years four, past that. And you'll be like twice as big as you were before. Right, exactly. And so I'm my trajectory is good. Um, but tabletop is really like a super niche area. And yep. I know for a fact that I don't appeal to a lot of the typical tabletop audience, which is fine. Because what I want my audience to be is people who are just getting introduced to tabletop gaming who have never really played before. Um, people that just kind of like want to find a way to disconnect and spend time with uh, their families. But, you know, like, hipster, young, like, millennial types. And I feel like there isn't a, like, other than, like, Shut Up and Sit Down and, you know, individual content creators, I feel like there's not a lot of content for, like, young, hip parents who are trying to, like, spend quality time with their kids. That's fair. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about um, the kinds of things you do in your videos and in your content to specifically appeal to that audience? As designers, we spend a lot of time thinking about gamers as game players, but we don't really think about them as content consumers. Right. So a couple of things that I do is like, I'm very focused on aesthetics. I want everything to be beautiful. So I I actually pay attention to things like lighting. I have like a whole light set studio. Um, I have a a couple different backgrounds that I try to make sort of appealing, but honestly, they're not at the level that I want them to be. Um, I have a nice, pretty, like, purple velvet table that's a geek chic that I kind of, that's a long story, uh, <laughs> piece together. Uh, basically, my my, biz- my business manager went and got them at the auction when Geek Chic closed. Right. And it didn't have the centerpiece, so I made my own. Even better. So it's like a Geek Chic frame sitting on top of another table with an insert that I made myself. <laughs> but it works. Um, That's great. Yeah. And so I'm I'm not only just trying to make the aesthetics of my videos appealing, but I'm also paying attention to the way that I'm filming the shots. I have kind of extremely fancy, expensive camera lenses. Um, I just pay attention to things that, you know, a lot of people that are just recording how to plays or people who are just recording content for, for like, reviews are recording on their phones or just a regular, like, old camera with a kit lens. I'm trying to up the game there a bit. Mm -hmm. And as Eric Slauson says, such nice costumes as well. I think that's one of the things I love the best about your stuff. You're all in. You're all in. Yeah, I try to do costumes for everything, but like honestly, it's a little bit too expensive and publishers don't want to pay for it. So I've been cutting back on that a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, but uh, if people don't want to put the money forward on it, I'm like, okay, well, you're going to get a normal video and normal clothes. And I'm sorry, but costumes are like expensive. I mean, it ends up being like 50 to 100 bucks every time. It takes mm-hmm. me like a couple hours to get ready. And at some point, I was just like, uh, this is exhausting. Right? Yeah. Um, imagine imagine how those people who like I have a friend who is a Disney princess and I can only imagine how much work that is every day. Every well, day. and honestly just getting ready from a normal standpoint like the bar is already like 7 times as high for women who have to be on camera than for men. Sure. Like I it takes me I 2 hours to get ready. It takes me 2 hours to get ready. I have to do my makeup, I have to curl my hair, I have to make sure that it's not all over the place. I'm Mexican, so I literally just have like this much hair if I don't take care of it. Uh, it's, yeah, it's way more work than people think that it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I don't, I can't even guess. Like, I roll out of bed and here I am. That's that's what you get. I do that five Boys. days out of the week. <laughs> uh, so, Bebo, what services are you offering to people? How does your media 
uh, creation, content creation, what can you offer to people who are saying, you know, like, we'd like something a little bit different or we'd like something that pops? How can you help them? So product photography is a big one. I do, uh, you know, like regular Amazon Target product photography in the white box and make everything pretty. Uh, but then I also do lifestyle photography for things like Instagram. And um, typically this does not mean that there are a bunch of people in it. If you want people in it, that's going to cost you a lot more money because people. honestly getting my friends over to come over and play board games is like pulling teeth at this point. Uh, I've been doing this for eight years and they're like, Bebos. <laughs> board come on now. Out. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, so product photography and then five minute how to play videos. That's, of course, my big focus is that I want to keep my videos as short as possible. Sometimes they do go longer, um, but, you know, that sometimes it's necessary. And oh, and I do like quick overview videos that are designed to be three minutes for Amazon specifically, like, and that's a very weird niche market, um, which are like just specifically three minute videos designed to sell a product to help people like understand what they're getting out of a game when they buy it. Oh, that's cool. So, so a publisher is asking you to make a video for their game that they can then put with their, their product on Amazon. Yep. Okay. That's cool. Uh, because cool. I think that's kind of something that's needed, right? Is that just looking at the box, um, you can't really tell what it is. And so having a little, um, demo, not necessarily a talking head, little video there could be super cool. And especially yeah. if it's by somebody who's vibrant, right? Right. And all of those videos like currently exist for makeup products and vacuums and refrigerators on Amazon. And so I'm just trying to like fill that void for board games. <laughs> well, it's also funny. that too is that, oh, do you, go funny. ahead. You're going to read the comment? No, you, okay, go ahead, Erica. It's, it's my fault because of my connection. I apologize. My connection sucks. My rabbit ate my cord. End of story. Anyway, what I was going to say is we're getting the same uh, reviews from consumers that let's say, you know, a book might. So these videos are probably incredibly important for people who are going to be making these decisions. And this is more hoping to see from from publishers more and more. Like it, it's not exactly, but it borders into it. It's it's extremely valuable if you're not getting people who are, you know, not everyone goes to view board games. Like, let's be honest, people who are reviewing board games aren't doing it on Amazon. That's what a BG so we need these things for that, that connection, that bridge between. And you're mm -hmm. getting a, like a professional experience with me, right? Like I have probably $20,000 in camera equipment and gear and like all of these different things that I've bought over the last several years and that I've even been like saving up and buying on my own before I was, was owning Be Bold. And so I, I think that there's actually a lot of value in that because I can produce very high quality content, but one thing I will tell publishers is you get like the amount of the amount of energy that you put in to the video that we're working on together is going to vastly impact the end product because the more feedback you give me on the script, the more input you give me on what kind of shots that you want, what kind of costumes you want, whatever, um, th that's going to make a huge difference in the final product. And so people who are highly attentive to details help me a lot because Refilming a, sh a shot after I've already done it is like a nightmare because you can never get your hair and makeup the same. I'm not <laughs> a dude. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, just going back to what Eric Slauson's talking about in the in the feed, he says, "Okay, let's go ahead and start that Bebo costume GoFundMe." Uh, and ready. <laughs> you're 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 ready for that. And then uh, Daniel Zayas said, if I can get that message to pop up there, he said, games are an immersion experience. The costumes are part of that, and publishers should want that additional marketing, marketing presence. So uh, these are some some people who are part of the industry who are saying, yeah, publishers, you know what? A, 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 couple extra, you know, a couple hundred bucks could probably go a long way and get you that three or four or five or 25 or 35 or 50 a hundred extra views that will hopefully convert into something that'll equal the hundred dollars you spent for the costume, right? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And I, I just end up getting a little bit like timid about asking publishers like, Hey, do you want to pay for the costume? Because I just found again and again, they were like, no. Yeah. I mean, I guess I wonder if you like made that into like a, a form or something where they could kind of just check some boxes and send you something instead of you having to do the ask every time if that would make it easier on you and you might actually get some people said yes i really want yeah. that 
Absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> um, a question from Ming Yang Lu. Ming uh, asks, question for Bebo. If a designer wants to create a stronger social media presence, what advice would you have for them? Hmm, good question. So the best thing that you can do as a publisher, because I also run uh, social media accounts for other publishers, uh, is take the time to interact with consumers and don't be fake about it. Like just go talk to people in the board game community, follow them on Twitter, follow them on Instagram and interact with them. Have genuine conversations. If they post a picture of their cat, like tell them that their cat is adorable and you want to hug it. Is that a tip <laughs> specifically? That specifically is my number one tip. That's everyone, a tip Bebo. Everyone <laughs> loves their cat more than they love you. And if you love their cat too, they're going to like you. Okay. <laughs> so growing your audience, tip number yes. one, hug Talk to the, the cat. cat. Love yes. cats. But another thing <laughs> is, uh, go through Instagram hashtags and go and like things like hashtag board games. Another weird like niche thing that you can do is uh, look up board games in other languages and look up those hashtags too and go through and like those. Um, oh, and leave comments. Yeah, and I know that sounds really peculiar, but it's a way to like very quickly grow your audience with people who are looking to consume content like yours. Uh, but you should make sure that you have at least nine photos already on your Instagram account and they should be of the game in action. Like marketing, like edited, photoshopped, whatever, like marketing stuff on Instagram huh. doesn't work. Interesting. They need to be photography. That's really interesting because I, like, I don't, I don't do Instagram at all because I'm an old, old man, um, and so I just don't do it. It's, it's like, what is this Instagram thing, and why should I do it? Uh, but it's interesting that you say that. So we can't post like product box shot stuff. We, it has to be live in action because it's more candid. Is that is that what you were looking for on Instagram, people? It's not that it's more candid. It's that Instagram is a place where people literally, it's the only place on the internet, I think, where people literally go there exclusively to buy things that they like, that they think look good, that are pretty. Oh, okay. It is like, it is where people go to sell things. And so what you should be doing is appealing to people's good senses. So have a nice clean background. Uh, so I advise wood, or white, uh, don't have any glare in the photos, make sure that you have good lighting. Um, there's a billion other things that go into Instagram, but most people just think that like, oh, this is just a place where I like post things. But it's, yeah, everything needs to have a similar aesthetic. And it, if you want to like fit into the community, you have to kind of hmm. put some work into it. That's really interesting. Yeah. Have you ever, do you have any blog posts on your wonderful site, www.beboldgames.com? about this type of stuff? I don't. Somebody asked to hire me for it, but I wasn't really sure um, about how I, how I was going to frame it, but now I guess I do, now that we've had a conversation about this. <laughs> um, right? Well, you don't want to give away all the secrets, but I need more. Right. Somebody approached me about like how to take photos with your phone for Instagram and they asked me uh, like how to do this at conventions and stuff and I was like I'm not really sure how to teach that specifically hmm. That's there's, interesting. A, interesting. there's a follow up on this topic from Ming there again it is. Go ahead. Um, as someone who also who has also successfully built a following as a personality what advice do you have designer for designers who want to establish themselves as a personality not just someone trying to sell their games. Um, again, with the like interact with your audience, have conversations with them, but also give them value. That's like the number one thing that you can do to gain an audience is provide them with something that like helps them learn. They want to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. They are looking, they're looking to you and following you because they think that what you're doing is cool. And if they can learn from you, that is like a, a massive added value for a reason for them to follow you. Cool. Okay. Excellent. So, Remember, game designers on Twitter, people follow you because they think what you do is cool. They do. Um, so it's I mean, so weird to think that, though. That people think you're cool, Erica? But you think I'm cool, that's what makes it funny. I'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, be honest. That's funny. It, it is pretty interesting. So, I mean, I, I get people who follow me just because other people follow me. And so they said, oh, my friends are following you. So I figured I should follow you too, uh, because they like people that I like. 
mm-hmm. so there, there's definitely that as well. Like that, um, you know, if if you have a value, like uh, Brittany's saying, if you if you are if you have a brand or whatever you want to call it that represents something and people like it, they will bring other people with them. So I guess it's kind of the idea where living with your heart on, on your sleeve in some ways and presenting that to the social audience can be a, a good thing. It can also lead to some issues I'm, I'm suspecting, but uh, yeah. Well, I got no, there oh, that's, that's so funny. issues that come with. Yeah. Have you ever run into that? Any boundary issues because you're seen as a personality? Yep. Yeah. And we can just we can just fade to black on that one. That's okay. Um, it's all good. Yeah. Noticing well, it's that important to note that you know getting noticed means that there might not always be all the people you want to notice sometimes, and it's something to be aware of. I think if people want to jump down that road, that, that more specifically for women too. Yeah, and I will say that, like, 99% of the time, people are great. Like, it is a very, very minor number of people who, like, become problematic. And it's important to note that, that, like, most of the community is fantastic, but that, like, 0.01% can ruin it for a lot of people. And there are a lot of times where, you know, I've been like, hey, uh, if I had not been as committed into this community as I am, like, this specific event would have pushed me out of the community for good right 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 oh oh this is funny uh ming signed in again as brother ming games uh to stay on brand really gotta be on brand he's he's learning he's learning so you're teaching people Brittany. so much learning important stuff important 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 um (laughs) eric you have dabbing in the comments eric is now dabbing to hut to hide his tears because we called him old in the comments. My kids are gonna laugh that I just dabbed on screen. Uh, they they dislike it when I dab. It's My daughter constantly laughs because she's like, you know, all these people are going around dabbing and they don't even really know what dabbing is. And I'm yeah, like, wow. oh my gosh. There you go. What is dabbing really? Oh, that's that's a story for another time. It's <laughs> not. Yeah, it's not camera ready. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'll tell you I when we go off there. All yeah. right. So, uh, cool. So, grow your audience. Uh, Brittany offers video services for overviews, three-minute overviews for Amazon and other point-of-sales type things, five-minute how-to-plays uh, on her YouTube channel? Yep. Right? And is it www.youtube.com slash games. That's it. Awesome. And on Facebook as well. Um, and then you are writing a book or have you already written it? I already wrote the book. I got my proof back yesterday. Oh, that's perfect timing. Can you show it to us? Here, I'm going to blow you up real large. I don't think I can show you the book yet. Mm, Okay. Well, I got my email proof. Oh, okay. Uh, I have the, I have the the thing here, so I'm going to go see if I can share that with everybody, but can you tell us what it is? Yeah. So. Uh, what, what this book is, is it basically takes you through a hundred different board games and kind of like helps people figure out what board games they want to play and narrow down like the, the right audience, the right groups that they should be playing them with. And it gives them a brief overview of the gameplay in like 500 to 750 words per, per game. They're organized by category. And so like, if you like push your luck games, there's a whole chapter on push your luck games, so on and so forth. Um, and how many games are covered in the book? A hundred and two, and I think. That must, <laughs> nice. that must have been exciting market research. Uh, well, the reason why they contacted me is because they were like, who really knows 102 board games this well? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, they're really, they're entry level games. This is not like a gamer gamer book. This is to introduce people who are unfamiliar with the hobby to maybe a game beyond Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride or even Monopoly, Jenga, whatever. Um, it's really to expand the board game industry to a wider audience, which has kind of been my mission forever. It's very on brand. And now it's a court. (laughs) Yeah. So so is, is there, is there more to the story of how you, you got a book deal, uh, other than, them noticing that you're probably the only person in the world that's played 102 board games. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure lots of people have played more than 102 board games. Uh, but basically what they did was uh, 
they emailed Chris Promise and asked him to do it. And then he said, hey, I don't have time because I am a very successful, busy person. Because uh, he is. And then was like, but Bebo maybe has time. And so they gave me, I think I ended up with nine weeks to write the book. And it was over the course of BGGCon and PAX Unplugged. So I spent three weeks fully on the road. Uh, sometime at my in-laws house too. A week of that in between. Uh, just working on the book. And that was actually, the downtime during travel was really helpful because I think I would have lost my mind if I had to sit in my bedroom and do it the whole time. So we got another audience question. Daryl Andrews wants to know what other books you would like to write? Oh my gosh. Gosh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think that I have like a very wild life story and not even just like my life, but also my mother's and my grandmother's life from being like immigrants from Mexico and like currently living in this era as a Mexican woman who has a mother who would be like classified as a quote unquote anchor baby and like the whole dynamic of that entire situation and just uh, I don't know there's there's a lot of really persistent themes that happened throughout my grandmother's life and my mother's life and my life and breaking that cycle for my daughter and I feel like that would be a really cool thing to write about um, because even though it's kind of a traumatic and tragic story, uh, I I still ended up doing really well for myself and I feel like my daughter's doing really well. And I think that it's a really powerful story. So eventually I would love to be able to carve out the time to write it. That's really cool. Am I still Robot Send, by the way? Robot Send. No. Where'd Send go? I'm right here. Am I not here? I can hear him. I see you. You're good. I don't, I don't see Send at all. you're hiding on Bebo somehow. <laughs> I'm going to leave and come back. All right. We're leaving and We're all back. having problems today. I'm really sorry, guys. That's <laughs> eh, technology. 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 I know. I can't even get any closer to my mode. I I yeah. love you, rabbit, but I hate you right now too. So. Oh, is that what happened? The rabbit actually ate your cord. Oh, you want to see how bad this is? Okay, I don't know. Okay, wait, wait, wait. See that? See this? Oh my gosh! This, this is my Ethernet. Brittany, can you hear everybody now? Sorry. I can, dog especially dog. the doggo. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The doggos yeah. are awesome. I love animals, period. My my mom is visiting my grandma in New Mexico. And when I had Haley, the dog and the baby didn't get along. And so the dog had to, like, go live with my grandma, whose chihuahua just died. And so she was like, I miss my dog. And I was like, surprise, there's a new one. <laughs> and they love each other so much. My mom sent me pictures of my abuela and my, and my dog together. And they're uh -huh. best friends. I'm so happy. Oh, that hey. is a very cute doggo. Atlanta Hope is is watching. Oh, Hilarious. That's exciting. I know. Uh, <laughs> Dan Daniel, Daniel, literally, what are, what are you talking about? Are you talking about sea anemones? Sea and then. I don't know. What happened? I think, I, I think he's talking about sea anemones. Sea anemones, but that's really. But it not says anemones. Yeah. Is this a joke we don't get? I don't know. It's Daniel, so who knows? Yeah, it's Daniel. <laughs> and and then Eric said, "Bad rabbit is the rabbit bad." Hate you right now too. Oh, so cute though. <laughs> I had to get a pet trimmer today, and I'm very happy. Like a like a tool. So I had like a beard trimmer, right? Because I was like, "Well, you always gotta have buzzers in the house." And I tried to use it on my cats, and it doesn't work. Like a man's <laughs> beard trimmer doesn't work on a pet. It's too tight, all. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I got a pet one. I, I don't even have a beard, a man's beard trimmer, so I don't even know what you're talking about. No clue. Oh, those those little ones, the beard trimmer thing. Whatever. It's it's nope. weird that we know this and you don't, but it's nope, still don't know. Ask Andrew about my. Uh, I I have one thing. I have like a. It's a one. It's it's literally a Phillips one. It is a beard trimmer, so I, I think I know what you mean. But it's it's not like this kind of like kind of clipper thing. It's just like a, a little thing that goes. Oh yeah, it's, no, mine's mine's a clipper thing. Yeah, and it still didn't work, eh? It didn't work on cat fur. You have to get a cat-specific beard trimmer. Is that because cats have, like, more fur? It's because my cat has, like, very dense fur. He is a okay. fluffball. He's probably, like, fur-wise closer to a bunny than a cat. <laughs> I'd actually like to see that. 
so getting back on topic. Not, yes. I, I love cats. Well, well, cat, or cats. Or I love your cat. That, I, think cats, I love your cat. Yes, cats are on topic yeah. for this topic. I'm learning. Um, like the cat pictures. So, so now that we're talking about cats, I'm thinking about social media again. And uh, uh, before you had said that Instagram is a space where you go to sell stuff, do you have a similar bite-sized summary of what other uh, popular social media platforms are quote-unquote for? Like, what should we be using Facebook for? Is of doing something wrong by trying to be a live show on Facebook? Uh, same for Twitter, and are there other social media? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there for Twitter, Twitter is where you go to make friends. As Twitter is literally where I've made the majority of my new friends over the last five years, which sounds absolutely nutty, but it's true. Uh, currently, my like my best friend is TJ. He lives three blocks away from me. We met on Twitter because we were talking about karaoke in Seattle. And then I was like, wait, where do you live? And he was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I live three blocks away from you. Let's go to the local board game bar and hang out. And that was that. So, and then honestly, the most of the rest of board game Twitter, I like met there. And I think that that's been a really magical experience. I've made friends that I'll have for the rest of my life. And I think that if you approach Twitter as a place where you're going to sell things, you're going to fail. Hmm. You're going there to make friends and a community that supports you for who you are as a person. So if you have something stupid that happened to you throughout your day, like tweet about it, talk to people about it. It's designed to be like a, a second like community, more like a family, I think. Um, right. Yeah. And then Facebook, I don't understand Facebook. It is changing every two days, but it is also the place that I do my live streams. So I don't think you're doing anything wrong, although our Twitch audience uh, for TJ's stuff does pretty okay. Hmm. So we average about like 20-something. Live stream is a long word. Yeah, so we've been talking about Twitch for about two years, three years now, I think. Daryl and I thought about switching over to Twitch a while back, and then we just never did it because it seemed like a big hassle. Uh, and then when we found all these like secondary apps that would let us stream right to Facebook without a problem or you know without a problem, um, we just stuck with that instead. Uh, what does Twitch get us beyond? Facebook. What is what is the benefit of Twitch? Well, for us, it's definitely building a community. Uh, we send people to our Discord channel, where we actually like have a, a pretty thriving community of people who really like love and care about each other. And every time they come into our Twitch stream, we're like, "Hey, we know who you are. Let's talk about your life. How's your cat? Whatever." Um, oh, it's all these cats. <laughs> all these cats. I was just using that as an example. Um, yeah. You know, like, how's your grandma doing? How was work? I, we know you're a nurse, right? Um, and so I feel like the the connection with people on Twitch is a lot more personal and intimate hmm. than it is on Facebook. And so on Facebook, you're trying to gain a larger audience and have people watching and maybe teach them something. Whereas for us on Twitch, we're building a community that uh, knows each other really well. Uh, Tom... Tom is asking, question for Bebo, where do you post and promote the videos you create? Um, so I use Facebook and YouTube. That's it. Keep it simple? Yep. Um, primarily because I know how to... I, I don't ever release a video without captions. Uh, and so uh, those are two places that I know make it really easy to upload captions. I buy them from Rev.com, and it works really well. So explain so, that for the, for the captioning part. You said you buy them from somewhere? Yeah, I buy them from Rev.com. Uh, basically, what you do is you just connect your YouTube account to it, and then you pay them a dollar per finished edited minute, and they add in all of your captions for you. Basically, what, you, what I do is I upload my script to them, and then okay. they just rearrange it to, to make sense with the video. Okay. So they're doing all this subtitling for you, but you've still given them your script. Right. Okay, that's cool. If something doesn't have a script, is there a service that would... It's a, it's the same. It's literally the same rate if you don't upload your script. I just wow. make it easier for them. Oh, you're so nice. Very kind. Very kind of you. Um, let's see. I think there was something else. 
Daryl Andrews asked, is social media function differently for different demographics? Huh, that's interesting. Yes. Um, there you go. See. I would say, um, so for example, TJ has never had to block anybody on Twitter. I block people mm. about five to seven times a day. <laughs> uh, for women, it is a very different beast on the internet yeah. because there's a lot of harassment. There's a lot of, hey, sexy DMs. Got two of those today. Uh, I always message them back and say, I'm not interested. I'm married. Uh, because otherwise they're going to keep following me and or, or harass me, which uh, they get angry if you don't reply. And that freaks me out more than just saying I'm not interested. Um, I would also say that for minority people, people treat you like you know less about things than you do. I get things over explained to me quite a bit and that can be frustrating, but um, I've become very good at setting boundaries and I'm not hesitant to block people anymore if they're being inappropriate. It's hmm. good advice. It is, it is. I think there's some a little bit of self-care in the blockage. Um, if people are asking you to do way too much emotional labor or explain things and they're sea-lining you, then, you know. Right. Lots yeah. of people asking me to explain things to them, and I just usually send them back a screenshot of exactly what they asked me in Google. Yeah, right. Lots of people do the let me Google that for you thing, but I feel like that's a little too petty. <laughs> it is kind of funny though. Um, Daryl Joe has a follow-up question. This guy with all his questions. Uh, I feel like I see blogging a lot less. Why? Is there room for a resurgent or something that has replaced it? What do you think, Bebo? I think for for blogging, what it comes down to is that like it's not as profitable as it used to be because mm -hmm. video content exists and right. because uh, primarily over the last two years, Facebook has prioritized video content over written content. I also feel like a lot of people um, make written content, but then they don't know how to properly engage their audience and sell their written content through things like photography and making eye-catching advertisements and a good thumbnail. Those are all like very different th skills than writing, and it's really hard to find a perfect combination of both of those things, which was part of the problem that I was trying to solve with Be Bold was, you know, um, making short articles that are, you know, 500 to 1000 words, preferably not over that. So they're pretty accessible and quick to read, but more importantly, making them eye catching. So they're paired with really vibrant, colorful photography that's not oversaturated. Um, that's that's going to catch their eye in their feet, right? Makes them click. Yeah, I think there's, uh, I think that the day of just text without something else in there is a little bit lost, unfortunately. Unless you want to post on Reddit and have it be buried in an hour. Right. Um, <laughs> right, and so, Reddit but, definitely is its own beast, and it exists, and it's very successful for some people, but I found as a woman in gaming that it was very unwelcoming to me. Yeah, I don't even like it. I don't like it at all, to be honest. It scares me. I find it unwelcoming, and I'm not a woman in gaming. Um, right. So, um, we, we have another question on social media from Paul Saxberg. Um, just to follow up on your Twitter uh, comments. So, do you not use Twitter uh, for advertising at all? Is it just for relationship building to you, or is there a little more to it? Than I will share certain things if I feel like it's meaningful to my audience. I'll use my professional account to, to share the content that I'm creating. And I will also use my personal account to share that content. If people want to consume it, that's great. But I don't oversaturate my audience with things. At most, they're going to see one, maybe two things a day uh, that's not personal. So it's like, hey, I put my new video up on BGG. If you give it a like and a comment, that would be really helpful because you're supporting me because you're a part of my community. It helps me right. gain visibility. It helps the people in my videos gain visibility, that sort of thing. Um, so, so it's a little different ask than it's more of a, a friendly thing than a push thing. Yeah, I'm not marketing to my Twitter audience. I'm sharing with them the things that I'm creating and the things that I'm passionate about. Hmm. Interesting. Daniel Zayas is saying that uh, 
people tune in for you on Twitch, which is different, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whereas on Facebook, they just kind of happen to catch the stream. Uh, mm -hmm. Twitch seems more like a channel that you go to watch. Is that how? Is that your experience so far with it, Brittany? Yeah, absolutely. The people that come into our streams come in every week, and we have. The other thing is that Facebook, you can be kind of inconsistent with. You can set events. You can have people come to these events. Um, but on Twitch, it is the same group of people that we are hanging out with almost every single week. Hmm. Interesting. We're invested in them, and they're invested in us. We're like family. Cool. I think we might have to look at Twitch at some point, just because it sounds interesting yeah. to me. Um, oh, that's what we're trying to create here. Yeah, says that uh, the Twitch audience is focused for gaming, all gaming, all the time. So it's a focused uh, audience that are close to those desires. Like, if it's not, you know, board gaming, they're at least video gamers who are at least adjacent to gaming and puzzles and may have had that in their past and may want that in their future. So mm -hmm. I think... I think that's another good thing. You also mentioned Discord. Um, yes. Tell me about your Discord channel and why you started it up. Um, so this is not my Discord channel. This is TJ's Discord oh, channel. Oh, TJ, sorry. Yeah, Tell I know. TJ's okay. Discord channel. <laughs> my Discord channel is kind of dead, and I feel super guilty about it, but I'm just, like, overwhelmed with all of the things that I'm doing right now. I've, my health has yeah. been great recently. Um, but as far as TJ's Discord channel goes, you know, they have a bunch of different channels. They have a Magic the Gathering, like, deck building area. They have Humble Breggs, which is a place where you go and you, like, you know, tell people about the thing that you did and why you're excited about it, which, you know, for me, I'm like, I got out of bed. Uh, <laughs> but they're like, I got a promotion. And they, you know, share, they have a whole channel for pets. So it's really just a place for the audience to get to know each other mm -hmm. and then for a place for TJ to interact with his audience. And I'm in there sometimes, too, um, because I'm his neighbor. And so we live stream together all the time. Right, right, right. Um, I found that being on his channel means that I get a lot less harassment than if I have my own. Which Isn't is that interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But we also have That's like sad. an incredible moderator named uh, Steven Trapixium on Twitter and Twitch, and Steven is just the greatest person alive, and he's so quick to to catch things when they pop up. So he keeps us That's safe. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think everybody um, needs a Steven. They do. <laughs> uh, Ming is asking where to find this Discord. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Let me find that out for you real quick. All right. <laughs> um, all right. And so while, while, while you're searching for that, um, I'll just cognitively overload you with another question that's in a different direction. Um, this is, broadly speaking, most of our partners. Uh, and so I'm wondering, and I hope most of them are too, what do you wish game designers knew about content creation on the media side? Huh, interesting. That a five-minute video does not take five minutes to make. <laughs> How much time does it take on average? What do you think? Like eight ten times? Six, eight to sixteen hours. Wow. Yeah, like, yeah, like it, it is a very long time. Uh, yeah, it's it takes forever. Right. And so, what I try to do in order to cut back on that time is batch like seven videos that I just sit down and record in one night and do a wardrobe change in between each one so I don't have to redo my hair and makeup. Um, yeah, and it really depends on the game, the setup time, the lighting that we have to do, the, the different shots that we have to do, how many times we have to like switch out different cameras. Like, right. it, it takes a grueling amount of time. And on top of that, I have to go and then individually edit every single photo that I took. I have to white balance it. I have to color correct it. I have to Photoshop a bunch of like cat hairs out of it. These are words that I, I know are words, but I don't know what they mean. Right. That's why we pay people like you. Yeah. That's why you're so, worth every single dollar that we spend, right? Thank you. I don't. I don't think people understand that it's not Brittany with her. I you know her iPhone taking pictures on her potato cam, right? It's it's this is serious yeah. business. Right. I have like one camera that was like three thousand dollars and one camera that was five thousand dollars, and they're both used for very different things. One right. of them you can take pictures of miniatures with. The other one you cannot. Mm hmm. Very very interesting. Um, and so. 
what do you have an hourly rate Brittany, or are you like do you create a package how do you how do you deal with the publisher who says hey i'd like you to create some content do you have a meeting do you, is there a form is it like some do you spec it out Right. So typically I ask, I like sit down with them and I ask them what their needs are and how I can help solve the problem that they're facing. Um, and then we come up with a, what, what they think the a reasonable rate for that specific job would be. Um, if they want continued marketing, of course, that, that costs a little bit extra. Um, honestly, I do a lot of like, I, I, give steep discounts to smaller publishers. If it's your first game, I'm not going to charge, I'm not going to nickel and dime you. Like I'm going to charge you a flat rate. I'm going to help you get your project out. Like the more I believe in, in what you're doing and the more, and the newer you are to the industry, the more I'm going to try to like help you get off of the ground. If you're a big publisher, That's like good. you can afford me. I know you can. Mm -hmm. me. And I <laughs> love and appreciate those publishers a lot, but I, I really, one thing that I really set out when I started this company was to, you know, help the little guys any way that I can. Do you think that um, most big publishers or even middle-sized publishers should have their own video production team or crew? I'm not, not saying that to, you know, run you out of business or anything, but right. why don't they? Because it's not cost efficient. Because uh, paying somebody like me a livable wage at like fifty thousand dollars a year for in a big city in Seattle um, doesn't make financial sense for most publishers. Interesting. What else? What else would somebody with your skill set do for a company if they did hire you at a livable wage? Uh, you'd make videos. What else would you do? You know, photography, <laughs> like any kind right? of photography, um, social media marketing. Right. Uh, content marketing, writing, right. community management. I was just going to say, would you do community management? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and there's, there, I think there's, unfortunately, I know a lot of people who are, were community managers for different games and things like that. And they're like, unfortunately, the, the, like the first, the low hanging fruit that gets cut as soon as cuts need to get made. And it's sad because when you think about it, what brings people to games? It's community. Right. What, what makes that game sell continuously it's it's community uh mm -hmm. and sometimes it seems just kind of kind of a little bit backwards to to cut that person um, it definitely is but i think that at the end of the day like executives that are making the big decisions don't understand that yeah i mean all money is really tight and i guess you know you you make the cuts where you have to um and there might be some seniority or whatever because i'm, I'm sure community management is relative as a relatively new thing for most companies to get. Into. I mean, it also doesn't pay well. Like community management in itself does not pay well. The reason why I have to get paid what I get paid is because I live in a very expensive city, and right. on top of that, I have a lot of other skill sets. You know, like video editing, audio yeah. editing, photography editing. Um, that you know, I goes I, beyond I, just a regular old community right. manager. I mean, I really wish that community management paid more. I wish that every company could afford to have a full-time community manager that got paid a living wage because I think that that's critical, especially when it comes to uh, working with influencers. Hmm. People don't want to just work with a company. They want to work with somebody that they feel familiar with, that they like and they know. I find myself a lot more driven to complete a project for somebody on a quicker deadline when I like like the person that I'm working with. For sure. Exactly. Um, last question. The audience is, is uh, has a bunch today. Tom is asking, what about game convention presence? Do you do any services around that? Oh, like, do I do convention stuff for people? Yeah. Or is, um, there, is there a way that, not even not you, but other board game media could do that as well? Because I know people do, but... So think? I think that board game convention presences are fantastic and I love everything about it, but I am one person and me doing board game videos on a show floor, despite the fact that I have all of the equipment to do this is a nightmare and I hate it and I don't like doing it <laughs> um, because I have to set up my own camera equipment. I have to haul it around. I'm 90 pounds. Okay. I'm my just gonna say. Weighs as much as me. I was just going to say that I bet Funkhauser, even without Lizzie, has no problem because he's like a living boom like He's so freaking tall. Right. He's like and six foot four, right? So he's like towering over everybody. Whereas mm -hmm. you and I, being in the five foot zone, we're not, we're not so good at that. 
Yeah. And I have a bad back. And so it's just, it's not something that I want to do, but what I do try to do at conventions and something that I'm doing moving forward is, um, for example, I helped Origins put together a quiet room. Nice. And so I picked out all of the furniture for that. I've set up the floor plan. I set up the budget. We got Pandasaurus to sponsor it. Um, you know, the general mood and aesthetic. And so I feel like that's kind of like an invisible presence that I have there. Sure. And I feel like that's critically important. But then, of course, I'm also going to be their official photographer. So I'm going to be running around and taking pictures of everything and really highlighting what people are doing at the show and being joyful. Yes. That's awesome. That's amazing. And being quiet, maybe, in the quiet room. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before we go, um, I just want, there was something you mentioned. Oh, invisible. So the opposite of invisible is visible. And I know you're working really hard on making people more visible. Um, Can you speak to us about that before we sign off? Yeah, um, I guess my big thing is supporting other people, specifically women and people of color on Twitter, retweeting their stuff, anything I think is funny, even their selfies. Like it doesn't matter how you support people, as long as you are helping them gain visibility and building a sense of community, I feel like that's like the best thing that you could possibly do to support those people other than backing their Patreon Mm -hmm. or uh, following them on Twitter, following them on Facebook and subscribing to their YouTube channel. Right. Do you think, do you think of Patreon as a, as a social media thing or is it just more of a a funding stream? I think it's a social media thing. I think so too. I think I've gotten a hundred percent of my Patreon followers from Twitter. Oh, interesting. Like, no questions asked, 100% of them. And so even though you use Twitter not to sell, like, not specifically to push, you've been able to um, convert, that's a, you know, that term, uh, people who are your Twitter followers into people who will support you on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Is it because it's like a friend's first thing on Twitter, and then it just kind of gradually gets over into, hey, we like you, we like what you're doing, here's a buck a month. I think so. I think that like people that like you and want to support you yeah. will will find a way to support you. And I don't push my Patreon on Twitter very often at all. Right. I think I push it maybe once or twice a month. Yeah, it's interesting because I would feel so... And we're thinking about starting a Patreon for Maple Syrup uh, once Jesse gets back in country. Uh, and we're I feel really, really guilty about it. Really oddly guilty in some ways, but we'll talk about it. When we get a chance. Jesse, do you want to ask the final question? So, um, yeah, we always ask the same question at the end uh, as our final sign-off. So if you could give one piece of advice to game designers out there, what advice would you give to them? This is a really hard question. I wasn't prepared. (laughs) Aesthetics first. Like, I know that all these people are pushing games, but there is a whole group of hip millennials out there who won't put an ugly game on their shelf no matter how good it is. Make your games pretty and start with a single color palette. Your game doesn't need to have seven billion colors. Pick five colors and figure it out from there. Uh, Good advice for the publishers and anybody who's self-publishing. Keep your stuff pretty. Make it pretty. pretty. People people buy with their eyes, which is what uh, you're telling us about Instagram as well, right? Let me link you to something that that I use for picking colors. Cool. It's coolers.co, C-O-O-L-O-R-S.co. C-O-O-L-O-R-S.co? Yeah. Cool. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a color picker, like for a palette? It's a color generator. And so what you do is you load it up, and it generates five random colors. You pick one that you like, and you lock it in, and then you hit space bar, and it finds more colors that go well with that color until you lock all of them in, and then you have five colors to go off of. This That's is too awesome. fun. It's also <laughs> Just, very fun and addictive. Jesse's already there playing. All right, so over. yeah, that's oh, no Kingdom Rush. So www.coolors.co. Yeah. So check that one out. And then I linked the Discord for you too, if you want to post that in the comments. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we'll get that Discord up for people as well. So that is the Discord. And what night are you guys on Twitch? Uh, so he's on Twitch all the time, four days oh, a week. Okay. 
but I join him on Sunday nights typically, and we actually live stream Jackbox games, and so you can actually just come play video games with us. Nice. Um, yeah, because yeah. you can just kind of join in as uh, into the party, right? Yeah, you actually play the game with us, and you know, um, if you can't join the main game, you can join the audience and vote on things, and that's really fun. Occasionally, we'll play Mario Kart, and I'll crush him, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. It's all good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Bebo. It's been a while since we've talked to you and had you here. It was lovely, and hopefully we'll get to see you some more over the con season. Uh, for anybody out there who's looking for some great photography of your product or great videos for your product, please do check out www.beboldgames.com. Uh, look up Brittany on internets, like, all everywhere, pretty much. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. She's out and about doing her thing, making your stuff look better, okay? So look her up because she is a very talented person, and we love for you guys to support her if you have product that is ready to go. Awesome. So Eric Slauson saying, oh, that's brilliant. The thing, the, the colors thing. The generator is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. good, and I feel like not enough people know about it, so I'm glad. Well, now at least another 15, 20 people know about it. So, Perfect. cool. And that will be even more by tomorrow when they watch the video. So we'll awesome. see you all next time. Thanks very much for checking in. Erica, go get a new cord for your computer. I'm buying uh, one now. Are you? If you had a Patreon, though. Well, that's the if thing, If you had right? a Patreon, it'd be covered. I will show this again for anyone who didn't see, because I'm pretty sure I can actually break it. This is what my rabbit did. And I love that it's working now that the show is, like, over. I can actually hear you guys again, so I, I apologize to everybody. You should just call your Patreon the Rabbit Fund. That's, He's been so good. That That is also pretty much a thing, because Jesse, well, Jesse's rabbit isn't with them now, but Jesse's rabbit also does things like that. Awesome. The Rabbit Fund would be okay. We used to have a knee-high wall of plywood around our house. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's everything true. behind it. Well, I've got gutted board games all over the floor that are just the boxes because someday, you know what I still have to do? I'm going to post a picture of what he did to Betrayal because I, I had to send that to Rob still. He killed that game. I, I, I love you, but I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls board games off my shelf, and you should see the destruction. So he now owns his own boxes. So he gets distracted. They're on the floor. He can eat those. Decoy boxes. Yep. Decoy Paul, boxes. Paul Saxberg says call it bunny money. Yes. Well, that, might, that might be a pledge tier like, if we can do that kind of thing. I so. mean, it also sounds like a new board game somebody needs to design. Yes. Bunny one of money. us. One of us should design that. Cool. All right. So, oh, Bebo, where are you going to be this summer? Are you going to be at Origins taking pictures? I'm going to be at Origins... Gen Con, uh, MizCon, oh, Luminear Not Expo. Uh, oh, MizCon, MizCon is in Missoula, Montana. Missoula, Montana? Yeah. Interesting. I've never ever been. Wow. So, wow. yeah. Well, have fun. I'm doing that. Have fun with that. <laughs> that, Simon, or come on, whatever they say. Uh, I think they're going origin. to come on now. I don't know. It's a little know. weird. Uh, Paul, asked about, uh, Paul asked about shucks. Are you coming up for shucks? Uh, I don't know. It's really close. I know it's really close, it's but I really it, hate yeah. crossing the Canadian border because I'm Hispanic. On the and way back or on the way over? On the way over. Really? That so day, that. every time they stop my car, they take my phone, they take it into a private room, they go through all my messages, they go through all my pictures, they oh. make a copy of wow. my entire computer's hard drive. It's so uncomfortable and I hate it. Oh, I'm sorry. So, but on the way back, you're okay. On the way back, they just let me through. Well, yeah, because, you know. Because I'm a U.S. citizen, but going yeah. into Canada is awful. Oh, wow. <laughs> It's ah. terrible to hear. It's weird. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I'm maybe I'd consider it. Maybe. 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 Can I drive home every night? I'm only an hour and a half away. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, but then you have to cross the border every time. Yeah, I don't. Raise your anxiety. Paying for hotels is like not in my budget at all ever. Mm. I crash with friends. I crash with friends at every show I go to. That is a good idea, really. I sleep on their living room floors if I have to. Like, anything to...
to not pay for a hotel. Alrighty then, I gotta go mark papers. What are you gonna do, Erica? Buy a new I card? have those two, but I, I'm gonna go to bed. But I also have things I should have been marking. <laughs> and Jesse, you're just gonna drink Joe wine. Yep, he's just gonna drink his wine. <laughs> he's it's like, yep, time. that's all I'm gonna do. Wine time. It's, all right, it's everyone. Wednesday night. Oh, what are we doing next week? <laughs> we have Elizabeth Hargrave coming on, but she's in a few weeks. Yeah. Oh, is next week a dissect? Next week is unplanned. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, but, you sorry, know. Guys. <laughs> yeah, but Elizabeth Hargrave is coming up in a couple weeks, the designer yeah. of Wingspan. She's also, we'll talk birds and science and healthcare reform and all this kind and of stuff. And her new Kickstarter coming too. What? Ooh, very nice. Very nice. What's that? What's it for? I don't know all of it yet, but she's, ah. I think it's lining up perfectly that she'll be able to talk about it on the show. Oh, right, right, right. That's perfect. Erica, do you have anything? You have uh, Boss coming out. Uh, Pre-orders for Boss just started yesterday, so hopefully it's going well. And you I hear, Bebo, you got a copy of Kadama 3D. So I do. that's the Kickstarter's coming for that, I think, in a week. or I don't know. Kickstarter's weird right now, guys. It's I don't know. 30th. It's coming okay. up on the 30th. I'm making the video for it. And it's got to be done by the 30th. Okay. okay. That was our original plan. But I, was, I was worried because of Kickstarter crap. So mm -hmm. I, I knew they didn't have anything outstanding, so they probably wouldn't be caught in any way. And I, that's most of what the issue is, is you can't have outstanding games and start new stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I figured they're fine, but we'll see what happens. Okay. And then... Well, I'm actually off have... to record that. Yeah. Yay. We have, we have <laughs> our Kingdom Rush right now. We're in the last... Eight, nine days. Seven days. We're seven days. I don't know. We're coming up on the close to the million dollar Canadian mark. So uh, if you like Kingdom Rush, uh, if you like Tower Defense and Polyominoes and cool miniatures or not, um, please go check out the Kickstarter. And we would really appreciate it, even if you just look at it. That'd be great. All right. So with that, we'll say goodbye yeah. to everybody. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Well, next week for sure. And then a week after that. <laughs> Okay, we'll see y'all later. Good night. See y'all later. Figure it out. Make some Bye, games. <laughs> Make good games. Good night. Thanks so much for listening to the Meeple Syrup Show. If you'd like to support us on all of our projects, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash Meeple Syrup. Hope to see you next week. <laughs>